Welcome to episode 5 of What A Hitson. Today we are going to focus on the 2020-2021 Premier League season. In particular, predictions for the season. Today I am joined by the ever so present Rory Marr. I'm making his podcast debut and long-time Everton fan is my dad Fergo Marr. Thank you both for joining me. Uh, it's nice to have someone new on the show, Dad. So looking forward to talking through a few topics with in the Premier League with you. So I suppose the the Premier League has started, and we've already had kind of most teams have played three games each. So I suppose first thing I could say to start off is we've had a lot of goals in a few games. So defensively, I I don't think we've had uh, as many goals um, in the history of the Premier League in in such a run up. I think. Yeah, and I suppose the, the the new offside rules have contributed to that as well. And suddenly there's been an awful lot more penalties awarded. So that would be one contributing factor. Plus the fact that they didn't have any proper pre-season. So a lot of the teams aren't fully fit if you take Tottenham at their opening match. And you even take Man City, okay, um, Leicester were way better than them. But they haven't played as many matches. Uh, so I think that is a factor as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think there's been a bit of a hindrance with in regard to um, teams that uh, played in Europe late in obviously after uh, lockdown um, finished and when they came back and when they finished the Champions League and the Europa League um, in the kind of tournament play in Portugal and Germany. I definitely think that those teams seem to have suffered um, and there's been a drop off like Man City, Man United definitely 100% looked two or three games behind Palace uh, first game of the season uh, Spurs obviously not really they weren't really playing in Europe but um, they looked a slept slower than Everton and it might just be that certain teams obviously used the, the very short period a lot better than others um, Liverpool seemed to have obviously come uh, hit the ground running um, first game was a little bit sloppy obviously compared to Leeds um, I definitely agree um, regarding the offside rules the fact that they're letting fo- the, the kind of play play out before they give the decision uh, and the rest like, similar to what they were doing in uh, Champions League and Europa League last season I definitely think that's contributing because it obviously leaves it up then to VAR if it's given as offside then because it's fully played out um, it gives the chance of obviously giving the goal and then obviously the penalty well we'll get into the whole new handball and you know, <laughs> what we think of that, but that's definitely obviously played a huge factor in uh, the number of penalties and stuff given so yeah like the one thing I would say I suppose that was one of the things I was looking at probably talking about first was this this handball rule that we've seen obviously uh, this, this start of the season if the penalty given penalties given for the rest of the season was similar to that it would be a world record of like 292 penalties given if they continued in the ratio they were given them um what is your both what is both your opinions on this handball rule like how do you feel it should be directed like when you look at it um i suppose for me the i, I don't think what they're doing um is necessarily a bad thing in terms of because i do think but like I, I just think to the state how how kind of um out of control some players are and then they'll be given handballs. Like is it like literally as been exaggerated, is it going to get the stage where players are literally gonna flick the ball up in the box in order to try and hit someone on the hand in order to guarantee 
guarantee themselves a penalty. Like if we could get that ridiculous um, uh, at the the way it's being interpreted at the moment, but I do think with the, as you've heard from the likes of Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, who are very uh, anti the new rules, I think that is going to have, and especially if there's a, a somewhat somewhat of a uh, a backlash from the managers. Um, and from the players, surely the, the FA or whoever are in charge um, of the new rules need to kind of look at that with the referees and be like, look, we need to, to relax a bit um, on this. I suppose FIFA at a world level are trying to standardise and this is something that happens in Europe. So um, maybe it's a question of getting used to it. Um, I think certain teams have been very favourite and all the managers, even the likes of... Um, Steve Bruce has come out, even though he benefited at the weekend against it. And, um, of course, Everton benefited as well um, at the weekend for us. So maybe we have to let it settle down. But to see a defender going for a ball with his hands behind his back, trying to keep him away, it looks a bit ridiculous. And it's very hard to jump for a ball without using your hands in some way to get up. Yeah. Um, and I think those type of things have to be allowed for. The old rule, which um, has been said by, um, was that unless it's a deliberate handball, seems a lot fairer, um, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, like that. That was the one thing I was going to say. Like, the way the rules are set now is you're they're expecting players to have their hands literally like a robot by their side or behind their backs, which isn't fair because like. When you look at how a player jumps for a ball, they have to kind of move their arms to kind of get that push and elevation to jump for, for a ball. And they were saying all about this close proximity, but as it showed at the weekend, they, they totally disregarded the rule with the whole close proximity because Eric Dyer, who was at the receiving end of the penalty, was literally within a yard or two of the Newcastle player who uh, hit it off his hand. So... In that way, they're disregarding their own rules. So it's really down to the FA, I suppose, in regards to the Premier League. Like I haven't seen as many issues in other leagues in regards to the handball rule. It seems to be the Premier League that seems to be the one that's kind of has the most issues with it. Um, but I suppose it's just a waiting time to see what happens. Uh, we'll move on from that. And the next thing we can move on to is what do we think will be the bottom three come the end of the season? Well, I think if you look at it straight away, the teams that seem to be struggling, first of all, I'd say Fulham. Uh, Mitrovic has probably learned from the last time he was there. I think he's capable of scoring more goals. Um, it's a question of... I think it's, it's confidence as well. I think when you come up, can you play at this level and can you defend... Uh, West Brom against Everton um, started very well and got a very good goal um, and were very good the last day against Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea came back against them. But I think you have to look at the three that are coming up. Leeds, you know, are very exciting, play a lovely pressing game. I don't think they'll be in trouble. Um, but, you know, against Liverpool, and they were behind and there's seven players forward and and they don't seem to defend and and that's going to be punished at this level so i'm not sure whether i mean um 
Roy is very good at, um, at Crystal Palace, but I think Crystal Palace could struggle. Newcastle will struggle. So I'd say my bottom three are Fulham, West Brom, and Newcastle. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, I would 100% agree with the assessment um, of Fulham. Any, I think, as Jamie Carragher said on Monday Night Football, I think they are doomed. I think they are nailed on. Um, I guess, uh, from what I've heard, Paddy Power have actually already paid out on um, uh, people that had backed Fulham to be relegated. They've already set in the bet and said, yeah, we think Fulham are just, they, they're gone. Um, and Scotty Parker is really, not necessarily his fault, but the, the sheer lack of discipline from a defensive point of view and the amount of goals they concede, regardless if Mitrovic has a good season or not, um, the fact that they won't be able to keep it out of the other, the other end, uh, and obviously, I think lack of fans as well um, will, will play a part uh, for them. So I think they're gone. I have a very uh, bad feeling about Burnley. I think Burnley's time is running out. They haven't had a good start to the season. Um, they, won't have, they don't have Europe or anything to worry about. But I think Sean Dyche, lack, there was a bit of a lack of kind of activity in the transfer window. Um, and I know Burnley's kind of a tough place to go. But once again, lack of fans there. They don't necessarily have the same appeal. And in Turf Moor, so I think Burnley are actually going to go down along with Fulham, and then my third would be West Brom because unlike, I know they got a good result against Chelsea the weekend, but they still conceded three in the second half, and they're not good defensively. They've conceded five against Everton, um, so they concede more goals than they'll score. Uh, as for Leeds, I think will more than likely they'll be, they're very similar. Score loads of goals, concede necessarily loads as well, but then they were still able to go away to, to Sheffield United in the Derby and win one nil late on. So I think they still have that ability. Um, the first game against Liverpool kind of needs to be overlooked. Their main centre half didn't play either, so and they're obviously playing against the, the champions. So I think Leeds will be fine. Uh, so my three would be definitely be Fulham, Burnley, and West Brom. Yeah, uh, looking at the the kind of the results and kind of my early assumptions the, the ones i would agree both with both of you that um fulham uh, are doomed like they're even the one thing that i didn't like was the owner the other night came out and said that um he's looking at two defenders and that they need two defenders which is kind of frustrating i'm sure for fans to see that the the owners saying they're not good enough and that they need two defenders which you shouldn't be saying that publicly anyway yeah. publicly to fans you should, could just say you're just working on transfers or something like that um so i think fulham definitely um are going down now the one i'm kind of unsure on but i think could be in the bottom um because of kind of their signings and that and lack of would be Brighton I think um, would be one I would think might struggle now I know they've they've performed well against a few teams but I think looking at them throughout the season like after Christmas they completely dipped in form so I think without those one or two players that are getting them the goals they would really struggle um, I think you're right I don't think they're lacking a striker uh, that is recognised and that they can use, you know. So, um, and then I agree. I agree with yourself in regards to Burnley. I just don't think Burnley have bought in the kind of players that they would need. So I think it's kind of between four teams. I think it's West Brom, Brighton, Fulham, 
and uh, Burnley. Another team that potentially hasn't started very well either, and obviously had an unbelievable year last year, is Sheffield United. Mm. They've not started well. Um, they didn't concede a lot of goals last season. I think they were fourth or fifth in terms of meanest defence in the Premier League, um, which but the problem is they don't score goals. Now, I know obviously uh, Wilder has been linked to trying to sign someone like Rian Brewster from, from Liverpool, um, so it's clearly a problem area for him. Especially when you have the likes of David McGoldrick, who, for all the work rate and um, kind of link link work he does necessarily with the midfield, doesn't have great end product uh, in terms of goals. So, um, and I know they, um, I think their top goal scorer last season had six goals in the league. I think it's Ollie, uh, Ollie McBurney. So, um, that's definitely a problem area for them. So I'd be worried for Sheffield United supporters as well. Yeah. Right, there is another one, I suppose, when you, when I was looking at I didn't think about that. Yeah, they haven't signed a proper striker. And if they don't get someone like a Rian Brewster or someone who can get them the goals, again, they could be another team that falls into the the fold. Um, we, we don't talk about Southampton at all. They're a team last year that were struggled for a long time but then came good. I think the one good thing that they had was Danny Ings. Uh, his ability to just put that ball in the net he, he's a bit like Vardy like last day Southampton aren't as good as a Leicester but uh, certainly I think it would keep them out of trouble but I think as a team they could be bottom half you know because I don't think they have enough strength and depth and then the other thing we haven't even discussed too I know they had a very good result the other night um, is West Ham but there's a lot mm. of problems kind of going on behind the scenes Um obviously David Moyes has COVID at the moment so he's not necessarily there present on the training ground but they were still able to go out where they absolutely hammered Wolves the other night um, 4-0 Jared Brown was very good but like the, they, their problem has always been as well kind of goal scoring as well they don't necessarily have a recognised striker like they have a converted striker in Mr. Antonio, Antonio. Yeah. Um, the chap has played literally I think every position on a football pitch bar goalkeeper very good and he had a real purple patch to finish the season last year to help him stay up but um, that'll be, be one or two question marks over them as well. I, I know the, um, I, I would agree with all that but I mean I think David Moyes tactically um, certainly he took him over last year at a time when a lot of the rot had set in and he did a very good job to keep them up yeah. um, and I think you know when, when he's back Hopefully he'll be back shortly. I, I think uh, he's a good leader. Um, I don't think he can. He was never a Manchester United manager. I think at that level, but I think he's a good manager. So when you take himself and uh, Sean Dyche, um, and you take even if you look at Aston Villa, we haven't discussed. Uh, what about Aston Villa? I mean, yes, the the they started well, but. Last year they, they suffered quite a bit and Greenwich has signed a new contract and I think that's great for them but um, I'm not sure whether they have Yeah they made a good sign I, I, I've a, I've a, I'm a big fan of Ollie Watkins um, yeah. uh, was always admiring for a few years at, at Brentford and I was surprised that no one had gone for him sooner and I think obviously he's teaming back up with um, with Dean Smith as well So and obviously he's flourished under him um, at Brentford so I'd, I'd be I think he'll get enough goals this season the, 
that 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 was the thing I was going to ask next is who do you think of the teams is going to be the surprise package and one of mine was going to be I think Aston Villa will be a surprise package this season because I think the players they've bought in brought in like they've just brought in today brought Barkley on loan which could be a huge signing for them as well in regards to midfield because they'll have Grealish they'll have Barkley who on their day when they perform can be difficult to perform play against um and i just think they might be one of the sides that might sneak into the top half of the table and do something like like what wolves have been doing the last few seasons and your leicesters and that now they won't be up as high as as the other teams that you'll see in the top half but i think they might be the surprise package for the season yeah i think wolves are going to be very good again Uh, i know the other night they were beaten well by west ham but I think it's lack of match or fitness. I think they they will get going and they'll be very good. Um, and, and they've proven it. I think losing uh, Doherty was was a big loss for them as well as um, Jota uh, going to 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 Liverpool. Um, I suppose I have to talk about Everton <laughs> in the sense that um, we've got Alan now sitting in front of the back four, who commands everything, bosses it. You've Jakuri doing box to box. And then you've Hamas Rodriguez, uh, who with one touch can create um, chances, and he's linked very well with Luca Dean on the left. And there seems to be a collective then between Richardson and uh, Calvert Lewin, which is good. And what Everton seem to have now, after five managers, is uh, a manager who's capable of leading them. They seem to lose their heads. Um, when they went behind before and this is something that you have to look at look at the big teams you look at um, Chelsea you look at Arsenal you look at Manchester United if suddenly Frank Lampard or Arteta or um, Ole Gunnar um, lose one or two matches everyone will be saying oh they're going to be fired they haven't a proven pedigree and I think that's a huge thing to take into account they've got They've got their positions by default, as opposed to earning them as proven managers. And I think when the pressure comes on on those teams, I think they're very vulnerable. Mm. Um, And those type of teams are at such a level as well that I don't think owners and fans will put up with it. Um, uh, So so I think it could be a very interesting season. The fact that Bale now has gone to Tottenham, um, you know, Mourinho has a prove he's a proven winner, um, mm. and like I think they could emerge as a really good side, um, and he'll give them confidence. Um, so, so I'm not sure how, how the top six is. I know we haven't got to that yeah. yet, but uh, well, that that was the next question I was going to raise. Is looking at the team, so you obviously you've Man City. And United are showing vulnerability so far. Yes, that might be just down to fitness or that. But with the likes of United, do you think United need to recruit at least another three or four players, like what Gary Neville saying, at least another centre centre back, another left back, um, and a and a striker at least to recruit in and get kind of the the team kind of performing and get that style improved well i think they're very exciting going forward um the the back four isn't great and i think Ole Gunnar, if you analyze him over 
10 matches last season when he comes up against a really good team I think tactically I think he's going to fall short um, and it's that ability like uh, Lampard shows more promise Arteta seems to be moving the ball like he was obviously influential at Man City so so um, I, I think United have, have have real issues that haven't really been addressed yeah, I um f- firstly obviously the you had a good discussion on Everton there. I'd like to pose the question if uh Ancelotti isn't manager, do Everton sign half the players that they signed this transfer window? I don't think they would, um, which is a real testament to himself as a manager and obviously a man manager. Um uh he he signed Hamez now at three different clubs. He obviously signed them when he was at Real Madrid, he signed them when he was at um Bayern Munich, uh, Bayern Munich, and then obviously now, um, at Everton. So that's a real kind of testament to him. Firstly, and obviously he's a serial winner as well. So, uh, I would expect Everton, um, to definitely improve this season. I think it's a, a it's a, a big ask for them to necessarily ne- break into that top four, or a, they definitely can make top six. Um, but I think lack of experience and being in those positions sometimes can kind of count against them, and it's a long season, thirty eight games. Um, the kind of amount of games teams are playing generally this season compared to next in terms of the short short um, the rest times in between matches can stretch squads and Everton are still lacking a little bit maybe in squad depth um, but I definitely think they'll be improving necessarily in their head to head matches with maybe the, the top six they can definitely take a lot more points off those teams uh, with the kind of improvement and calibre of players they've got Um. Spurs last night, classic Mourinho. He talked himself out all, all week during the build up to the end. How they were lack this player's injured, um, lack of these players were playing. Obviously, uh, Tuesday then we're playing Thursday, then we're playing Sunday. Chelsea have had rest, blah blah blah, and then he goes out and he a bit of a masterclass second half. They were very poor first half. Chelsea should really have won the game, and then second half he the. Typical Mourinho scrapes a, a one-one draw and then wins on penalties and uh, hooping and hollering on it. So Frank Frank Lampard has, as as Dad has said, he's very inexperienced, really, relatively compared to some of the other top managers to be in that position. Obviously, he had he got some experience at Derby, but tactically last night, like he he was very reactive in a lot of his changes to what Mourinho was doing. So Mourinho kind of really got the upper hand tactically. Um, I th- Especially the Liverpool match as well. I didn't really like the tactics they played. Um, Arteta seems to be a little bit more now has a little bit more now tactically, but I don't think he has the personnel to necessarily top challenge big time top four this season. We'll see. Um, Aubameyang's absolutely world class, one of the best in his position. But I just wonder, has he is he lacking a bit of talent in and around there? Um, like you look at someone like maybe Nicolas Pepe who's one of the top 10 most expensive players ever bought in the Premier League, not really done much since he's been signed. He's, he's, he's a bench player at the moment. He obviously came off, off the bench the other night. I, I, I think at the moment, I think everybody's a very long way off Liverpool, especially with this. Liverpool didn't look like they were going to do any uh, transfer signings, really. Klopp said there's no money, but they've made some shrewd uh, purchases. Um and as Jamie Carragher alluded to on Monday Night Football the players Liverpool seem to to attract at the boy other clubs overlook which 
really is a testament to, to Klopp that he um, he identified players that will really fit into his the whole kind of team ethos that they have they've already um, the assistant manager Pep Linders has already regarded Jota as a pressing monster so he's just perfectly suited to that kind of press game to do um, Pep, he Pep put a, a, a master show, sorry yeah. in terms of playing down with no money and we can't do this mm. and quite Harrison quietly behind it all, he was signing them anyway. Yeah. So, so then, I suppose it was a tactic though yeah. as well to keep the media off him, asking him questions constantly, which is a smart thing to do. Is just saying, look, we don't have the money. If there was a signing, you'll know. But the, I don't think it, not nobody in the media had any wind of Jota going to Liverpool in the first yeah. place. Like he didn't play a midweek match. He was left out of the squad, left the stadium uh, for Wolves, and then all of a sudden he's he signed for Liverpool. So it was very, uh, very, very uh, quietly done. So um, fair play to obviously the, the, the backroom team at Liverpool to be able to pull that off. But the other thing I have to say is that what's been overlooked. Pep Guardiola now has just signed another 60, what, 65 million or 63 yeah, 65, million yeah. for Ruben Diaz from Benfica, another centre-half. So uh, in the time he's been at City, we get like... We're, take away all the other transfers but just defenders alone he spent over 400 million um, I, I'm going to be very controversial here I've never ever been a fan of Pep Guardiola I, don't, I think everybody raves around because he plays a certain brand of football but I think tactically I question whether he's as good as some of the other teams he ha- every club he's been at he's had unbelievable resources in terms of spending money um, he had he inherited probably the greatest natural side that's ever existed um, with a lot of the groundwork was actually done by Frank Reichardt now you gotta you got to take uh, credit for Pep Guardiola moving uh, Messi into a kind of central striker role and kudos to him for that but apart from that I really don't see what the hype is he's gone to went to a Bayern Munich side who are guaranteed to win the title every year anyway um, and won the title but did failed miserably every season in Europe yeah. he's failed miserably in every season in Europe with Manchester City with a, a couple of domestic success but teams were quite a bit behind uh, domestically Liverpool have now caught up and done well past I don't I think on a one-off match yeah City can beat anybody but the problem is in between their two ears they I think they feel like they just have to show up sometimes it's the wrong mentality um, for a lot of for a lot of games. Well, I think they peaked in the sense that they won their championships and now they have to rebuild again. And if you look at the back of the history of Alex Ferguson, he went through at least three teams. Um, and the question is, if you see Man City play against Leicester, Leicester let them have the ball in the first half. Now they're a counter-attacking team and can do that very very effectively. And Vardy is is a bit of a genius and, and what he can produce. But they've no Aguero. They have no striker. Aguero is awesome. He, yeah. as, as um, uh, uh, he was described as what, uh, Graham Soon as Fox in the Box. I mean, he can produce that bit of brilliance. Um, he, Guardiola said before the match, oh, we've loads of players since score goals. But sorry, at that level, you need a striker that knows how to do it. You need a manny. You need someone that is capable of just finishing that that's the, that's the thing question i was going to raise next was um do you think that is co- kind of the key thing like aguero's constantly now he's constantly getting injuries he's he's had injuries throughout his whole career and 
is that something that Man City are really missing? Is that second proven striker who can just bang them in a goal left, right and centre? Like, say, like a Harry Kane or um, someone like a Vardy who's got the pace, he can get in behind, come from deep. Um, is that kind of the main one of the main things they're missing? Like, I know they're trying to recruit defensively, but should they be looking offensively at a, an attacker as well? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's the hardest position in the world or in, in the game and it's also the hardest uh, thing to buy successfully. Um, like Aguero was an unbelievable signing for Man City and like, for a long time it's been one of my favourite players but um, he is a huge loss and then you have a deputy in, in Gabriel Jesus who, who is a, a good player but he's not world class and he's not at that level. Um, and he, he's the type he might score a hat-trick against West Brom or he might he scores against all the small sides but when push comes to shove in big games when you need goals I don't think you can rely on someone like Gabriel Jesus especially when he needs two or three chances um, in a game to score very similar to Raheem Sterling who would need several chances in a game to score um, Kevin De Bruyne is unbelievable but at the same time he is more of a creative force you can't rely on him to score goals as much Um and then you have your likes of your Riyad Mahrez, uh, Bernardo Silva. They're all creative players, not for assists, not necessarily for actually goal scoring. Now, Raheem Sterling's um, uh, improvement in terms of goal scoring has been astronomical, but I don't think he's been great since uh, after lockdown. We have to kind of take the whole period of time after lockdown and kind of throw it out the window because I think a lot of the form and a lot of the a lot of what happened is kind of irrelevant because it was unprecedented circumstances uh, completely different atmosphere and environment for players so even that period of time we obviously saw Manchester United were very good that finish to the season but I don't think that's necessarily going to happen this year Man United are doing a huge amount of, well they, they need a huge improvement in terms of they need a right sided attacking player that's why they're going after Jaden Sancho I don't think they, they'll get him um, they need another centre half like there's loads of question marks over a lot of sides so I just think mm. champions are nearly nailed on and then it's a case of who fills in those next three slots for top four I, and I think we have to be careful as well I mean Man City did lose against Leicester but it's still only one game they did do Champions League they're not up and firing mm. going yet uh, they're still an excellent side but I think um, they're probably um I suppose they're suffering from their own success and then Liverpool really just have stepped beyond them. So that they have to regroup in some way. But you have to remember as well, that the thing is, can Man City afford to have a sluggish start this season? Because last year they had a sluggish start and then Liverpool rode off in the sunset and they weren't to be caught then because there was too big a gap. So I wonder if like, Man City need to really react straight away after the Leicester result the last day. Well, uh, then I think the next question I want to kind of raise is what is your top four? Who are your four teams that you think are going to be in the top four come end of the season? Well, I think Liverpool obviously have to be up there. I would say Man City. Um, and I would think then it's Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but but um, now that Bale is back, and Mourinho, I think that's going to create a lot of excitement around Spurs. Um, but if you take Chelsea and Arsenal, they're unknown managers at, at this type of level. So I'm going to say Liverpool, Man City, 
Chelsea Spurs at this stage are my four. Okay. Um, I suppose I'll go there's a number of kind of things factors I think can consider because yeah obviously you said Bale is a massive signing for for Spurs he's still out injured but like the, the main the main issue I have is when when this whole kind of virus dies down or if it does die down when do the fans come back because that's going to have some massive say if it's the new year that's going to have a massive say in the second half of the season with the impact that has and the lift that will give to certain teams playing at home and certain fixtures um, especially the, come the end of the season certain teams have kind of harder run in than others if they, do they have the fans do they not have the fans which kind of levels the playing field as we saw um, without the fans away teams tend to do a lot better than what they would with uh, with fans um, I think Liverpool I think Liverpool win the title again I, I think Klopp won't let them drop off I think we've already seen already they expect a high they expect a lot from themselves Not there's no passengers in that team in terms of how they've recruited as well um, exact same mentality so I expect them to, to retain the title um, I don't think they'll win it by anywhere near as much as what they did so I think the gap will close to an extent uh, Man City I think they'll just about grab second um, and then the next two is the tricky one really I, I think Chelsea have obviously signed very well but their defence is woeful in my opinion I know they signed Dan Chilwell um, at left full as Pilaqueta is a very solid right full but their centre halves they've just signed a 35 year old um, he's been playing, <coughs> as they say, in a farmer's league. So he's not challenged week in, week out. Uh, he was a world-class defender. He isn't a world-class defender anymore. I think he's going to get found out for pace in the Premier League and Thiago Silva. Um, and then he doesn't necessarily have a recognised world-class centre-half beside him. I know they have Christensen. I know he's still only 23 or 24. Uh, a lot of rumours coming through. Zuma, Rudiger, the talks are more than likely that they're going to sell Rudiger before the transfer window to raise some funds after after spending so much they've got a new goalkeeper we'll see how he adapts to the Premier League um, obviously dropping the most expensive goalkeeper uh, in the history of football and Kepa um, so th this is a real kind of this is a real challenge to Frank Lampard now how does he do because Ab uh, Abramovich has a has a tendency to pull the trigger quite quickly if things aren't going well he's obviously spent a lot of money so will he last the season? I I wonder. Um, Ollie Gunner, exact same thing. He's at one one of the biggest, if not the biggest, club commercially in 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 football. Um, will he last the season there as well? Who did if if he did, who would they or if he didn't, who would replace him? So, um, I think Man United are still lacking from a defensive point of view. It's still they do have some great talent. They don't have an out and out striker. Which since which they haven't had since they sold uh, Lukaku, so you wonder um, if that's going to play dividends. If that's, if, if that's going to hinder them or work in their favour, Fernandez is obviously a fantastic sign. The statistics are ridiculous. He's averaging a goal and assist every two games since he joined United. So um, with someone like that, but then they're lacking. Obviously, Pogba is uh, a shadow of his former self in centre mid. Um, I think Spurs. I I wouldn't write off. Mourinho, I think Spurs are actually going to improve big time this season. Um, second season with them, he always tends to do a little bit better. So, um, I'm actually going to have Spurs finish um, third. 
and um, we're, we're, we're ruling out Leicester, but I don't know. Like I said, Brendan Rodgers has, he, he's always wanted to play nice, attractive football wherever he's been, but he was able to go to Man City the last day and say, tactically, we can't go toe to toe with Man City playing football, so we're going to play in the break, and it worked very successfully um, with a big win. Um, I think they'll just miss out on top four, though. I See, I don't know. Arsenal, Arteta's done well, but I still think they're lacking players. So, um, I, I think Chelsea have such enormous pressure on them to perform with the, the signings they've made and the players. I'd expect them to just about get top four. So, I'm going to go Liverpool, City, um, Spurs and Chelsea top four. Okay. Well, looking from my aspect, I suppose... I have to have to put Arsenal in and the reason I'm putting them in is I know everyone's writing them off defensively but I think we've brought from watching the first few games and watching him play I think this guy Gabriel we've brought in is very good um I don't know why he didn't start against Liverpool um I would have started him nearly ahead of David Luiz um because I think he's been uh Gabriel's been very solid um so I think they'll finish, but I think we'll probably finish fourth. I can see us finishing fourth. I don't think it is. The one other three I see in the the top four is obviously your Liverpool, your Man City, and then I think it's going to be Spurs. I don't think, looking at the other clubs, so as you've, as you've pointed out, Chelsea, I think they've brought in a great amount of attacking talent they've loads of attacking talent but i think defensively this season they'll be let down they haven't brought in the defense that they need and if they get rid of rudiger who's probably last season from watching them he was probably one of their best defenders to get rid of him then and play one or two others ahead of him like your tiago silva and that who's going to show his his age um is really going to affect them Leicester, I think they're going to miss out because watching them, especially throughout the last season, I think Vardy, is too, without him, I think is a big impact on Leicester's performance. If Vardy's not there or isn't on his day, they, I, it really affects the Leicester team. And that shows how huge a player he is to them and how many goals, why he was top goal scorer last season. United, defensively, not good enough and again like you said they don't have that go-to striker yes Rashford scored a good amount Martial scored a good amount kind of towards the end of last season but I don't think essentially they're good enough to stay there they don't even have like that's why they're trying to bring in Sancho they're trying to bring in that another winger that can get them create the chances as well as your Fernandez. but I don't think they're good enough Everton, I think, will be a good shout because they're not playing in Europe. They are going to finish just outside the top four, I think, because I think Calvert-Lewin is a huge striker. I'm surprised no one's even trying to go for him of the, the big, big clubs because he's proven himself. You've got James Rodriguez, who, with the flick of his fingers, can create anything. Um, you have uh, Allen, who's like a bulldog. He's, he's called the... The Brazilian bulldog in there that he can just break everything up with literally one touch. He can break down uh, an attack. Um, and then you've got Decore, who was 
I know he went down with Watford, but was definitely Watford's standout performer last season. And Richarlison, there's another one. Like when you look at Everton's team, they definitely I think they are gonna finish maybe top six. And I could see someone like United being affected by that because I don't think if they don't bring in anyone in the last few days of this transfer, I know we have till Monday for this transfer, and if they don't bring anyone in now, it's gonna affect their season. But the problem is United have had difficulty this even since David Moyes signed. He was unable to get players from each of Cobra. So they seem to have a problem with buying regardless of the manager. And they also have to pay 50% more for players than anyone else. And they simply can't afford it in a lot of cases. So that's that's what the thing that I I was listening to as well is like with United going for the likes of Jadon Sancho. Jadon Sancho has three years left in his deal. Borussia Dortmund can look for whatever they want. They know even if they don't sell him this year, he's say January everyone's going to have financially probably have more funds or next summer everyone's going to have more funds they'll, pro- they'll probably get close to what they want next year from the likes of Real Madrid or your Barcelona or whoever comes in so they don't need to sell him necessarily yeah, and yeah. that's that's what United need to look at alternatives but they're trying to push it their main to, yeah they've left it too late by the looks of it and like um, I know Sancho was left there with the, the squad tonight but all the, the all the communications that are coming from Dortmund this is nothing to do with the, the transfer thing I think obviously if Sancho really really wanted to go to United he probably would hand in a transfer request um, but I don't think he's necessarily that type and if he has any bit of sense I know players do go for money happened time and time again but he's more chance of winning something with Borussia Dortmund in my opinion than he has with with Manchester United so why would why would you go and at the moment now a year down the line circumstances change and um, Man United might be in a better position but um, I don't think if he had any top form he wouldn't be going to to Man United at the moment anyway yeah and then I was going to say Spurs the reason I have them for a top four is they've brought in Bale they've brought in Regalion who was probably a stand up performer in La Liga last season which was a signing that no, no one I think expected to happen with Spurs and you can see from what they've brought in now they've got Harry Kane they've got Son they've got Gareth Bale they've got Regalion if Gareth Bale even performs to half of what he's done for Real Madrid in his kind of the start of his time at them before obviously the last one or two seasons Spurs will be a feared side to come up against or to go and play because Mourinho knows how to perform against teams yes I know the last few seasons he's been with obviously United didn't go too well um, for him but he knows even watching the documentary what he can do to a team even when your star player is out he's able to get players playing out of their skin and it's something that I find fascinating to watch I know it's a club I don't really like because obviously they're the rivals but I do have massive respect for Mourinho and some of the players that Spurs have and to bring Gareth Bale back, I think, was one of the definitely the signings of the season if if he gets on his his um his form again. Um, I suppose saying sign of the season. What who do you think would be of the, this transfer window? Who do you think would be the standout signing of the season? Well, it's 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 too early to say, but I mean, Bale looks promising. Obviously, James Rodriguez um, seems a really exciting player. 
um, um, I suppose Jota going to Liverpool um, you know you can take off Mane say and whatever or Salah and he could really be um, a standout player as well so so there are three that I, I would pick um, straight away as uh, worth looking at but I think you you have to look at our two up front at Arsenal um, you're great as an attacking force you know um, um, Aubameyang in particular is going to get lots of goals again so so um, and about Leeds it's, it, we haven't talked about Leeds and yet they mm. play this pressing game like um, like Liverpool and yet they have it really a team effort they're an unproven Bamford is a bit of a surprise he's got goals already uh, we didn't think he'd be able to Certainly, I didn't think he would make it at this level, but he seems to be in the right place and able to put the ball in the net. Wasn't he with Crystal Palace at one point, I believe, as well? Well, he was Chelsea. Chelsea, 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 Chelsea as well. Yeah. And, um, famously, obviously, Paddy Ramford is notorious. He's not come from a very uh, poor background like a lot of footballers. He's come from quite a middle-class background, so they always questioned whether he had the, the hunger or appetite to make it at that level. But fair, in fairness to him, he was... Leeds stand one of the lead standout performers last season. He's very much trusted by uh, Bielsa, and um, he started very well again. I I didn't think he necessarily was a proven out and out goal scorer, but from what I've seen so far, he's been excellent. That's it. Uh, Bielsa must have got d- said something to him though to get him motivated because before he moved before he moved to Leeds, he didn't look like he was going to make it even when he was at the championship level because his, his, his form wasn't as great so obviously Bielsa's done something to kind of get him mentally there and performing again well I, I think the way he, he works it he works a very similar type of style to Klopp it's all pressing it's all you're all part of a unit and if you make the grade and you get in you all have to keep doing it at that level and obviously he's got Bamford to agree to that philosophy the training with him seems to be unreal in the sense that they train for an excessive amount of time as soon as the ball goes out another one goes in and it's constant and if you can make that your part and he's loyal to the town uh, that seems to be his philosophy and we'll see how he gets on with that at this higher level you know yeah absolutely um who do you think will be the top goal scorer this season i'm going harry kane I'm, uh, he can stay fit I don't think there's a better strike in the league in terms of goal scoring I think that he's just born to go, score goals um, very similar the way they rave about where Cristiano Ronaldo was at United in terms of uh, work ethic Kane's work ethic is meant to be absolutely extraordinary um, behind the scenes and you kind of got glimpses of that from like documentary and other snippets he, of him in the media in terms of how hard he works um, so I'd be very surprised if uh, Kane was the top goal scorer at the end of the season. Yeah, I think Vardy will be there. I think Danny Ings will be there thereabouts. I don't think they'll they'll win it, but I think they're capable of doing it. Calvert Loon is a bit of an unknown. Um, it's funny, uh, Ancelotti was looking at him when he was at Juventus. So maybe he's found something in him as an orthodox, as a guy that you could develop. But, but the, he's a, a bit of an unknown. I think you're right about Kane. Kane just needs a supply. He needs to be given the ball, and with the signings they've had, I think he'll he'll do very well. Um, yeah, Aguero, Aguero I, could as well if he comes back if he's fit. 
yeah, like the, that's that's the one that stood out to me was Harry Kane probably um will be top goal scorer or you'll have as you said Vardy will be up there, Ings will be up there, you'll have the Liverpool lads be up there, Mane, Salah probably will be up there as always. Um, I think Aubameyang might be close as well, but he won't be top goal scorer. I don't think he gets enough. He'll get his twenty or so probably in the season, but he won't be up like Harry Kane. Probably knowing him, he'll probably be near to thirty. Um. And for all we know, there could be a surprise package in there as well. Like Danny Ings was the surprise package last season when he got so close. Like Calvert Lewin could be the surprise package this season. He could be right up come the end of the season with with Everton's new kind of look in midfield and how they have more supply into the box. Or Richarlison even could be another one. He's been scoring a few in the game. So it's another. It's like like the player like the surprise surprise signing for the season or signing for the, of the season it's one of those ones that's very unpredictable it's, you don't know what kind of will happen whether a player gets injured he could be out for the rest of the season or someone could just step up to the plate instead and kind of shine their mark and for all we know there could be a signing that has has yet to sign yet that might come in and make a difference for all we know there could be some surprise signing still um who do you think would be the first manager casualty of the season? Um, tough one. Um, who are we looking at? So, well, see, regardless, you have to look at kind of loyalty to managers as well. I, um, I'd be worried about Scotty Parker at Fulham. I'd say probably more than likely will be the first, especially with the way the owner's going on at the moment, publicly the way he's carrying on. I'd say he probably he'll pull the trigger pretty quickly. Um, so I'd say Scotty Parker because you have to look at the likes of even if the teams get relegated that I think they'll get relegated like the likes of Burnley Sean Dyche isn't going to leave Burnley anytime soon uh, especially if they'll ever have to Burnley so regardless if they go down uh, I'd say the same for the likes of like Sheffield United Chris Wilder will stay um, a lot of those clubs West Ham depending on what kind of season they have um, the likes of Wolves Nuno's obviously going to stay there um, Man United aren't aren't notorious for pulling the trigger too quickly, um, but of course they obviously very uh, obviously did with Mourinho in terms of getting them to sign a new five year deal or whatever it was, and then sacking them pretty quickly soon afterwards. Um, so Ollie Gunnar's on under a bit of pressure now that they've had a, an okay start, and be interested to see how they do tonight in the cup. Um, so yeah, I'd say more than likely. Fulham. So Scotty Parker would be the first to go. Would be my yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think the other person that could be under pressure as well, we have like Steve Bruce at Newcastle. And it's not the fact that I think he's a good manager. I'm not sure if they have the strikers to get the kind of goals yeah. they want. They've signed Callum Wilson though. Yeah, so he they scored have, first yeah. game, yeah. scored a last minute penalty to get the result. I know obviously it was controversial, but he still had to score the penalty um, and he got the goal. So Newcastle have what four points in three games mm. not too bad yeah I think one that you haven't mentioned which I think needs to be said is Slavin Bilic West Brom if they don't improve or if they don't perform I don't think it'll be long before he's gone as well he, he's one every other I think I still think it'd be I agree with you both Scotty Park I think is probably the standout one but I do think Slavin Bilic might be one that would be at risk as well if West if West Brom don't perform as I think 
attacking wise I don't think they have that real go to striker it's Charlie Austin though but yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big admirer of Charlie Austin I don't think he's like for that level he's very good but for some reason I don't know why he doesn't start for, for West Brom for a lot of games no idea why maybe it's a maybe it's a fitness issue or something but he's the same last season he comes off the bench a lot um, so we want, and they obviously scored the new the new fella from West Ham um, the new young fella yeah and really. he's already scored a a goal as well so um, who knows West Brom's problem will not be scoring goals this season but West Brom's problem will be conceding goals so yeah. we'll, we'll see but yeah so very easy could be flattened out as well but I don't think West Brom will be as quick to pull the trigger as, as Wolves and then who do you think will be your player of the season and looking at do you think it'll be a Liverpool player obviously to kind of if they're in the win the title do you think it'll be they'll go straight for a Liverpool player that'll be win it or do you think it'll be someone like a Harry Kane for being top goal scorer or it, it all depends we don't really know that in terms of the criteria for picking like last obviously when City won the title um, um, Van Dijk got it wasn't it and then obviously the year after then obviously when, C, uh, when Liverpool won the title last season Kevin De Bruyne gets it so um you wonder, I don't know. Um, I would. I'm gonna put. Uh, I, I think Gareth Bale's gonna have a very good season at Spurs, but whether whether he play, will play long enough now and whether he can stay fit um, for long enough, we'll see. Because um, he obviously hasn't been playing necessarily a lot of football with Madrid, so it is questionable how much kind of game games he's gonna be able to play. Um, so kind of the onus is on the the backroom staff at. at at Spurs to get him strong and, and healthy to be able to play that le- amount of football. Um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Sadio Mane got like Sadio Mane is starting the season very well, extremely consistent, scored loads of goals, plenty of assists in terms of work ethic and stuff. So maybe someone like um, Sadio Mane. Yeah, it could be one of the three for Liverpool or four now. Um, in terms of it all depends how they contribute to the success I think you can't look really beyond Liverpool away I mean if you look at their their full backs as well I mean the way they they contribute and the way they they press forward as a team I think we, we can't rule them out Man City could have a surprise as well or someone like Chelsea could um, could emerge as well as Tottenham with a player so it all depends who's in form yeah like the one that that came to mind is like I, I was thinking what before you said it was um Mane. I think Mane last season was one of the most underrated players. I thought he was going to win it over um De Bruyne last season because I thought he was influential in Liverpool's title uh, champions uh, of the the league. Um, I Mo Salah has been a mm. tremendous player, and I think you know you can't ignore him as as well. He's just phenomenal and, and his work with the front man is pressing you down <laughs> you have Sally on the other side yeah and then I, I suppose the other one then that could be a, obviously for what he did he, he showed it in the Champions League for all we know it could be Thiago Thiago could do a De Bruyne and get top assister of the season his delivery like yeah I don't uh, I'm obviously very excited with um, the sign of Thiago but I don't think he's not that he's not that caliber player. He is he's naturally a six slash eight 
he's not a Kevin De Bruyne in terms of creativity point of view. He does make those kind of killer passes and he has got the ability, but in terms of quantity and level of assists, um, I, I don't think he'll be doing that, but I just think he, he gives Liverpool that option, especially when, um, like Arsenal said the other night, when, we had, when they play with that low block, he's that ability to be able to find those players and small little gaps and pull strings which we didn't have uh, in previous seasons, so I think that's what the biggest impact he's going to have in that uh, Liv- uh, Liverpool midfield, um, especially against when we go away to sides and they will sit with 11 players behind the ball and try and hit us on the break. Um, but I, I wouldn't be comparing it to someone like Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is in a league of his own in terms of his ability to, to assist and create goals. Yeah, so I suppose kind of the main ones you look at from that, so you've got obviously... The main ones that'll be up there will be like your Mane, your Van Dijk, your De Bruyne, your Kane. Kind of would be the main ones that'll probably be up there come the end of the season. Vardy. Vardy, again, yeah, yeah Vardy. See, it all comes down to do, does someone who literally scores loads of goals always tend to win the player of the year? And the answer is no a lot of the time. Like, can't, uh, N'Golo Kante's won it. Obviously, Eden Hazard's won it. So it, it is a case of maybe the impact that particular player has in their team and then how that how well that team does so if obviously Leicester had a big year and were to finish top two or three and Vardy obviously has scored loads of goals he would be a show in with a shout um, for player of the year but it, it, I think usually they don't look outside whoever the, the, the winner or runner up is yeah and I suppose we won't, we won't know that till kind of the end of the season for, for all we know with the signings that could happen in the next few days, that could they could be the surprise signing. They could be at win player of the year, for all we know. Um, it's it's another unpredictable thing, but it's nice to kind of do these kind of predictions to kind of look back on, kind of come end of the season to see kind of what you predicted or what you were suggesting, and then see the difference, um, which I always love to do every year. Um, I suppose this is probably where I can finish off and sign off so thank you both Rory and Dad for joining today for our episode 5 of the podcast Dad great to bring someone new on and get some other um, opinions on the matters Um, also Rory as always thank you again for joining me um, for the podcast Um, if anyone else would like to get involved just drop me a message on Instagram Facebook or Twitter um, my name on Twitter and Instagram is littlemar10 and then on uh, Facebook it's Keen Samuel O'Maher um, if you just drop me a message there I'll be happy to try bring you in doesn't necessarily have to be sport it can be comics it can be music it can be entertainment movies whatever kind of picks your interest be happy to bring some more people on for a few ideas and uh, i'm sure i'll be announcing soon that i will be going instagram live um and i'll give you my reasons kind of behind it so would love to get loads of people involved uh plenty of ideas to come forward and hopefully we'll be kind of bringing them to the public um during this current uh, time um until then stay safe stay home and talk soon thank you